You were made to be ruled. In the end, it will be every man for himself. What do we do? We get ready. There was an idea. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Today, we are looking back on the 2012 Avengers movie, getting ready to prepare for the Infinity War sequel, Avengers Endgame, which comes out tomorrow promptly. Actually, it comes out tonight, which is uh, April 25th. And uh, according to many sources, uh, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. So I figured it would be helpful to go back and look at the original, The Avengers 2012, uh, directed by Joss Whedon, written by Joss Whedon and Zach Penn. So... I recall seeing the 2012 Avengers movie um, back in 2012. Um, saw it with a bunch of friends, had a blast seeing it. I was pretty much in shock and in awe that they could uh, bring this many um, major characters from all these different movies into one movie and make it make cohesive narrative sense. Now, when I first watched this, I was, uh, you know, back in 2012, let's see, that's um, about seven, about seven years ago, so I I was definitely younger back then, so I didn't have my, you know, uh, critical eye when I was watching the movie, although, you know, I, you could still tell if it was a good movie or not, so um, I, when I was first watching, I was like, yeah, it was a great movie, but I couldn't tell you exactly why it was a great movie or what parts worked better than others. Now that I've seen tons of movies started giving um, a little bit more uh, of a critique to the narrative structure of it and uh, how it's made, um, I can fully say that this is quite a feature. Um, The Avengers uses every second to its advantage of, I think it's two hours and 23 minutes um, running time. Which is kind of not too bad in comparison to the new Avengers Endgame is going to be uh, over three hours. And so they use every second um, to their advantage in the original 2012 Avengers. And honestly, um, what I heard in behind the scenes is that there's a lot of uh, footage that was left on the floor uh, revolving Hulk and uh, Captain America's side stories. Um and that would have made it about a three-hour movie. But I'm not exactly sure if we needed that or not. So I honestly think the pacing in The Avengers is one of the strongest things that you have to give it credit for, for handling all these different um, plots and all these different characters and giving everyone fair amounts of um, screen time and something to say. Just about everybody on the team gets um, 
their, you know, 15 seconds of fame or whatever. And um, I was... I was impressed by it. I think that Joss Whedon does an excellent job with the direction, when whether it comes to the action. The action's uh, really well choreographed, um, especially for the 2012. It kind of paved the way to how um, action starts to has, ends up being shot later in the uh, later after 2012. Um, definitely is influenced from movies like this. Um, you got the one shots. You got these uh, these uh, crazy battles with, you know, uh, things opening up and, um, I'm not going to go too, too in depth yet, but uh, there's, there's crazy battles and, um, and just the way a lot of the action is shot, you can tell it's, uh, uh, definitely influenced from the Avengers. And honestly, after I've seen in game, I'm not going to really go into any spoilers for other movies except for the Avengers, and we're not going to do that yet, quite yet. But I'm just going to say, um, the action only gets better, I think, with all of these Avengers movies, and um, it, it's it's amazing that they can still make it interesting. Um, so, in comparison to other, I would say, not so interesting properties, I think that Superman, Batman, definitely had their stumbles when they were trying to define their characters. So it's. Uh, it's quite magnificent what Marvel has done. So let's go ahead and jump into the plot real quick. I'm not going to go into, you know, plot by plot details. Maybe we can just do by performance. That would probably be the easiest. Robert Downey Jr. obviously has this entire franchise uh, on his back. And I think the original Avengers 2012 definitely shows it. It shows he's, uh, he, him and Captain are kind of uh, the leaders and they, they, it shows, this movie shows a great uh, chemistry between these two and how they have different ideologies of leading, but they both ultimately want to uh, do the same thing. Um, before we go into more um, characters, I'm going to do the synopsis real quick. The synopsis for The Avengers 2012. Earth's mightiest heroes must come together and learn to fight as a team if they are going to stop the mischievous Loki and his alien army from enslaving humanity. So, um, Loki is the antagonist in this. Um, it's Thor's brother, and I believe he's introduced in the Thor movies. It's been such a long time since I've seen the, the first five, I think it was five or six movies that led up to the first Avengers. And that sounded like a big feature. We were like, oh my gosh, we have to get it. It was the first two Iron Mans, and I think it was the first two Thors. And uh, I know I'm missing one more. Um, if I think about it, 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 it there, there was two more movies, I believe, after that um, that led up to it. Um, maybe I think it was the Hulk and uh, I'll, I'll think of it. Um, anyways, the the antagonist Loki is an, an he's someone that you have to look out for. I would say as an antagonist, the 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 guy that plays it, Tom Hiddleston, excellent actor. He's smooth. He's suave. We've seen him since he's played uh, Loki and other things. And you know he's he he's quite a gentleman, if you want to say so. I'm um, if if that's what you want to categorize him as. Um, a lot of people were attached to Loki. That you know not only his performance, but you know the the, the character. Um, so. 
let me see. I'm not going to talk about spoilers yet, but um, I'll, I'll go into spoilers for Loki in a little bit. But yeah, he's. Uh, I think that generally across the board, all of these um, actors, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, you got Chris Hemsworth as Thor, we got uh, 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 Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, which has a lot more screen time in this than I remember, as well as. Uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff as uh, Scarlet Witch. Um, yeah, I was. They kind of do use a lot of her, you know, quote unquote, femme fatale sexiness as her weapon kind of thing in um, this, but it might be just kind of a thing of the times or something. I don't know. Um, it's also played for a little bit of laughs. Some of the comedy in this, I thought. This is predominantly an action movie with uh, spurts of comedy, and I really like the comedy in this. I don't remember liking the comedy as much when I first watched it. There's a couple great uh, scenes between the superheroes having, you know, the quips that uh, really work, and it doesn't feel like the comedy takes you out of the time. I don't feel like the majority, most of the comedy does not, or the technology, majority of it stays in this kind of like, timeless state so we're not making self-referential references that have to do with the time that we're in or the comedy definitely feels loose enough that it can be in any time and it's more about uh situational humor i'd guess you know about oh this kind of sucks that we're in this situation you know um uh i i do think the comedy over the course of the avengers movies and the marvel movies shifts uh slightly goofier um, and much more specific in a way that makes the comedy not as timeless. Um, I think some this is something that Joss Whedon, um, either he had this in his back of, you know, the back of his mind when he was writing it and thought, you know, is this movie going to be good 20 years and still funny? So I think that he was writing for those kind of jokes. Let's see, anything else? Hmm... Costumes of the characters, wow. The costumes have really evolved over the past, uh, it's it's less than 10 years, and I feel like the costumes have evolved in a course of like uh, a 50-year span, you know? I don't know how many Iron Man suits we've seen since um, the, this Avengers. I mean, we saw, uh, I mean, several Iron Man suits in the first two, um, uh, what's it called, uh, Iron Man movies, and uh, we're getting a new outfit for all of the all of the Avengers in this, and the effects. Let's talk about the effects too, from the uh, you know the outfits to the effects. The um, the effects generally work. I don't know if they're going to be great in about let's say twenty years. They're going to be noticeably not as great. Um, although I do think the Hulk was probably the strongest. Um, I was kind of worried that it was going to look a little bit too much like a like a Shrek, like a bulk Shrek or something like that. But I thought he did pretty good, uh, pretty good. The uh, performance by um, uh, the guy that plays Bruce Banner is uh, Mark Ruffalo. I knew that. Um, running with a buffalo, Mark Ruffalo. Uh, <laughs> um, he has an interesting way of playing uh, Bruce Banner and. Without going forward in the other Avengers, I wish we could see. I, I want to. It's not a spoiler alert to say we don't have a, a standalone Hulk film um, featuring Mark Ruffalo. And I, after this performance, I definitely want to see it. Um, 
yeah, so let me see anything else that we have. Uh, Nick Fury, uh, we have uh, Samuel L. Jackson. It's very interesting going back and watching this first Avengers after seeing Captain Marvel and seeing Nick Fury involved in all of these other Marvel films. It's uh, It definitely feels like Marvel has been weaving this um, narrative structure for a very long time. Um, let me see. Anyone? Gwyneth Paltrow, barely in it. Uh, Paul Bettany as uh, Jarvis, just as basically his, his voice. Um, yeah, I, I'm... This Avengers is definitely probably one of my favorites so far. Uh, I, I can get into spoilers later about the other movies. So let's talk about the narrative structure of this. The first hour of this movie is getting the team together. And um, so now we're going to talk about the, the narrative structure of the, of the um, movie. So this may contain spoilers coming up. Um, if you think about seeing, oh, let me talk about the uh, score real quick. During the actual movie, um, the score did ne never bothered me, which I guess is good. But I also never really noticed it in a way that um, um, was like, ooh, this is really good. I'd say the score, it's the, it's the same guy, Alan Sh something or another. from. Uh, he's the guy that made the Back to the Future um, score. And he's done a lot of other work. Let me see. The composer is Alan Silvestri. And he's done work on The Polar Express, Captain America, Forrest Gump, and um, tons of other tons of other work. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, yeah, he, he's done tons of other. Uh, so anyway, um, I thought the com composer, Al Alvin Silvestri, definitely did his magic on the main opening of the Avengers title, but I didn't feel like throughout the majority of the movie that I was like, oh, shit, you know, this mu music is extra dank, you know? So let's talk about the um, structure of the narrative, and this will contain spoilers. So spoiler talk for the Avengers. <clears throat> Let me get a little drink, drink, drink. Let me get that drink, drink. Okay, so... So, the Avengers. The first hour of the movie is getting the team together. It's little spurts of uh, showing where, where the team is. It's, it's showing the characters. It's showing how they act. It's showing what they do. And showing how they are going to be involved with uh, the team. It is, And this is for each character. This is incredible for... I'd say with the exception of maybe Chris Hemsworth, um, they pretty much give due to each of the characters plus the antagonist. And this is all within the maybe the first hour. And uh, I was very impressed by how much uh, character building and lifting that they have to do with each scene. I mean, there's no downtime at all. So every scene, every line pretty much either has to be a line of exposition of explaining the plot or, um, you know, explain what they got to do, or it's a quip, you know, saying, you know, which says that they've got like a, that they're kind of jokey or, you know, it's supposed to kind of give them some uh, character development. So let me see what else. Um, the first hour is getting everyone together. 
the uh the only one that kind of bothered me was uh Scarlett Johansson and that was um just her using her femme fatale looks over everything to you know what what people um kind of tired of that trope you know don't need to sexualize every woman on screen but I can understand why they did you know because it's Scarlett Johansson and I and I if it's her idea to be put in that position then it's like okay okay but otherwise let's get some let's get some movement in here you know this is a superhero film not a secret agent film although I liked how it was framed I liked that it was kind of like a quote-unquote parody of the uh the spy spoof kind of thing and then she ends up whooping everybody's ass and she she has control of the entire situation but um ultimately um tired of the fin fatale thing so like i said earlier um i think thor is kind of the only one that gets the short shrift on a introduction um it's kind of him just coming in and whooping up some ass i'm kind of jumping forward a little bit after they get uh loki taken care of but um that's probably the the short shrift on it but we do get some good exposition between um chris was it loki and uh thor kind of explaining who they are where they came from so much who they are where they came from talk between just about everybody and we find out very um slyly that you know Hawkeye and Black Widow know each other, and uh, they <clears throat> are not told about each other before they are um, all brought in as a team. No one knew that they were bringing in um, uh, the Hulk or something like that. You know, it seems that no one's telling anybody anything. And uh, speaking of nobody telling anyone anything, they want the Tesseract, the MacGuffin, the big bad. The thing that everyone's trying to get, and you know, all almost a handful of movies, there's always the thing that you got to get. There's, you know, so um, the Tesseract is a, a cube that gives you unlimited sustainable energy, and Loki wants it to rule the world basically. And it seems that Loki is being um prompted by is it thanos and like a group of these alien creatures that are very ill-defined at the beginning of the movie and are hardly talked about or referred to throughout the rest of the movie so this brings me to one of my biggest problems is the antagonist besides loki i'm pretty sure at the beginning, we were seeing Thanos or somebody tell Loki to go, you know, get these Tesseracts for him and shit like that. You know, get the stuff for him. And uh, the alien creatures are <clears throat> prompting Loki to go get the Tesseract and, you know, you know, do what's necessary. Otherwise, they'll, you know, fuck him up or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's ill-defined, it's only explained in one or two scenes, and nobody talks about them for the rest of the movie, essentially. And so, yeah, let me see anything else about the uh, antagonist. It, it, they're just ill-defined, and they're kind of faceless. Bad guys. So ultimately, I do think this movie is a tad fan servicey. They get some of these characters together, and they, of course, they have to fight each other. Um, I was like... I don't remember this being a Civil War movie when I was watching it the first time. I was just like, okay, I guess this is what happens if Thor fights Iron Man, 
versus Captain America. It's just like uh, a kid's fantasy come true, or uh, not even kid's fantasy, but a, a comic book, you know, nerd's fantasy come true. And I remember seeing it for the first time. I was like, God dang, this is crazy. And watching it again, I don't think it uh, works as well, just because narratively it doesn't really make much sense for all of this to be going down. I think people with this much um, power would not be using it like this. Um, it feels a little like they create somewhat of their own problem, especially with Thor and uh, the whole Hulk situation. Loki banking on Hulk going crazy in this submarine thing, submarine helicopter, uh, uh, this flying submarine thing. Uh, <clears throat> it was quite a interesting plan because it's really ill-defined. It's, uh, I don't know, Black Widow, after Loki is caught and, he, and Loki is, you know, in this cage where apparently he can just teleport out, the whole teleportation, actually all of Loki's powers were very or ill-defined once again, and that's another problem. Sometimes with uh, Marvel movies and sometimes with just superhero movies in general, you have no idea what power they have. And so if something like... Um, Tony Stark or something. Some, sometimes they are just as powerful as they need to be, and sometimes that can be annoying as hell. So, I would say, let me see, let me see, let me see. <clears throat> okay, so Loki banking on Hulk going crazy is, I don't know, I don't know where he, how he even knows about Hulk, I guess. I don't remember him hearing about Hulk or anything at the, of that sort. Um, everybody is in the testing room where they're testing the Tesseract. Uh, I, I think it's the Tesseract and they're testing the, uh, the staff, Loki staff. And I thought that was a good scene. And what it is, is everybody kind of, you know, getting heated and every, and it seems that it might be because of the staff. And at the very end of the scene, um, Banner is holding the staff at one point and, um, it, it seems like it's implied that Loki has control, men, some sort of mental control of their emotional state, and it was getting them, you know, getting them pissed off. And so that's never really explained, like, kind of like what else is not explained. Um, Loki being able to teleport anywhere. Several times throughout the movie, I was like, why is Loki not teleporting behind somebody and stabbing them again? Because he's clearly done it once, why not do it again? Um, there's one scene at the very end with... Loki and Iron Man. It didn't make sense why he wouldn't at least, uh, you know, try that at first before, uh, I, I know he does try turning him bad, you know, he tries to touch his heart or whatever like that, or touch his skin with the, touch Tony's skin with the staff and turn him bad, but, um, didn't work because he had the, the metal heart or whatever the hell it is, the thing holding the metal back, but, um, anyways, I do think, the movie is maybe 10 minutes too long, although I do think all the majority of the scenes work really well. Um, hardly ever bored. The, uh, some of the problems on, on board the ship, the submarine ship, um, are kind of on their own doing, especially with having the Hulk on board. They even, Bruce even says that. He's like, why would they want a, a Hulk in a, a metal cage, you know, metal ca cage underground. So 
It, it didn't make that much sense either. Um, let me see. Action generally was pretty good. Um, let me see. The the very last battle is is crazy good. I think generally I don't like faceless, nameless bad guys with you know aliens coming down from who knows where and you know messing up everybody. First of all, people definitely died in this, and I don't think that we saw one person actually go down um, or any or a drop of blood. I don't remember seeing hardly any of that. Maybe a little bit on our main characters, but nothing that was substantial. Um, too clean for my taste. I think if you're gonna have PG-13, if you're gonna have this type of stuff, just make it a tad dirtier, you know? Um, if you're going through all this, we need more than a drop of blood on Scarlett Johansson. It's, uh, it, it it's a, it's a war zone out there. Um, you know, I don't need to see people <laughs> blowing up and shit, but, I mean, we do see aliens dropping in offices and uh, at the very, at, I'm kind of fast-forwarding to the very end, but we see them dropping in offices and holding them up and shooting, like, open firing at these people. And our our heroes are clearly not helping them at the, some of these points. And so there's, I don't know, points of the movie where they show people in danger and they are not being saved. So I, I don't know if that's the fault of the movie that they need to show that or what, but uh, people definitely died and it's, it's sort of implied, but it's never really confirmed. Um, especially with the lives. I don't remember. I know at the very end, um, I'm, I'm, I know I'm jumping all over the movie. There's kind of a lot to talk about and I don't have a lot of time. Um, but, uh, at the very end I was, I did appreciate how they kind of set up, that the Avengers are, they think there's a group of people, you know, politicians that think that the Avengers are responsible. And they kind of have this montage of news clips that show, you know, all, all these people that have something to say about, you know, what's just happened in um, Manhattan, I believe. And, you know, some people are much more thankful than others. And, so, you know, some people were there to witness how, you know, being saved and whatnot. But ultimately, um, it, I thought it did a great job of setting up that there's more work that needs to be done after this. It's not just like the battle is done and you forget about it and, you know, the the city is rebuilt. I mean, there, there's like laws and there's, um, you know, things that are going to be put in place to make sure that this probably doesn't happen again until the next movie, you know. But if and if it does, who's responsible? Um, something we didn't really discuss is Nick Fury's council of um it's kind of like faceless good guys i don't know it's like this council that nick fury uh talks to throughout the movie it's it looks like three or four older caucasian uh three men and one woman um determining whether they should nuke uh manhattan and obviously they have that kind of power so um, who are these people, and why are they about to nuke? Um, I know they wanted to nuke all of Manhattan, but they would were risking all of the lives of these people, and uh, Tony ends up saving them. I don't. There's definitely some some stickiness going on in that, and that I don't know if that's ever addressed. Um, let's see. Anything else? Anything else? Anything else on the movie? Um, I love the one shots with uh, all of everyone fighting. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, everyone fighting all of the aliens, and uh, when the aliens are coming down from the portal, they're jumping on the um, the skyscrapers, and every there's like this 
It's crazy one shot. I, I think from the best thing about this movie is that all of the action does feel much more different than the rest. Um, if that makes sense. It almost feels like they have different cinematographers for each action set piece. So the action set piece featuring Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America fighting, all, you know, kind of in the woods, kind of dark. It was dark, but it looked dope, um, especially when it lit up. And then that looked different from when Hulk is chasing Scarlett Johansson in the uh, submarine carrier or whatever the hell, and it's going in slow-mo. I mean, it is, it's a memorable-ass um, scene, and uh, I think there's a lot of those in this um, this movie. Um, I don't remember them giving so much uh, dialogue to Hawkeye and Black Widow, and I'm but I'm glad they got great banner. Um, I like Jeremy Renner now. I didn't like him when I was watching it the first time. Um, I I appreciate him a little bit more. I think they underwrote wrote his character for the majority of the front of it. Um, but the second half, I do think that really works and I honestly thought that what was it I thought that he went bad in Age of Ultron and not um the first Avengers not you know so let me see what else anything else we need to add to it when Hulk punches Thor that's one of the funniest scenes after this crazy action uh battle and it's topped off with Hulk just uh you know Taking taking down this big alien creature. That's the the alien creatures were very interesting um, design. I think the design and the majority of the creatures and costumes and heroes and antagonists generally are pretty good, with the exception of uh, the aliens uh, individually didn't look that that interesting or that different. But I would say the floating bug looking aliens looked crazy cool. Um. Let's see anything else we need to add to such a big movie, and I'm uh, sort of rushed to push this out. I'm sorry it's not uh, quite as fulfilled as I wanted it to be. Let me see anything else we need to add to this thing. Um, I can't really think of anything too important. Um, I kind of... This feels like the way Iron Man should have died. I don't know if if he was going to die. Um, apparently, they spoiled Hulk saving Iron Man from um, from the sky or whatever in the trailer. So uh, it's a reason not to watch the trailers before some movies. You know, they might give away some of the biggest scenes. Um, let's see anything else. I can't really think of anything else from technical or. Uh, you know, you know that standpoint or anything like that. I think we pretty much covered it. It was a you know it was a it was a fun uh, rewatch going back and looking at it. And now we got a podcast about it. So um, yeah, thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast. Check us out on all the podcast apps that feature the Lucky Dog Podcast. Um, email us at the Lucky Dog Podcast at gmail dot com for any comments, questions, concerns. Rate, share, subscribe. That's how we grow as a channel. And uh, if you like podcasts like this, please rate us five stars. Dr. Banner, Thank you. Unparalleled. And take it easy. And I'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn into an enormous green rage monster. Thanks.